This podcast is sponsored by Talkspace. May is Mental Health Awareness Month, and Talkspace, the leading virtual therapy provider, is encouraging people to talk it out in therapy. By talking or texting with a supportive licensed therapist at Talkspace, you'll gain insights, discover truths, and experience breakthroughs that will improve how you live and how you feel. With Talkspace, just answer a few questions online, and you'll be matched with a therapist. And because you'll meet your therapist online, you don't have to take time off work or arrange childcare. You'll meet on your schedule, whenever you feel most at ease. Plus, Talkspace works with most major insurers, and most insured members only pay a $25 copay or less. No insurance? No problem. If you want to make progress toward a mentally healthier place, Talkspace is here for you. Now get $80 off your first month with promo code SPACE80 when you go to Talkspace.com. Match with a licensed therapist today at Talkspace.com. Save $80 with code SPACE80 at Talkspace.com. Hello and welcome. It is Eric Erickson here across the nation. The phone number 877-973-7425 should you wish to be on the program. Climate activists have torn up a golf course in Spain. They planted uh, flowers to protest the watering of the golf course in Spain. Uh, Members of Extinction Rebellion along with activists from other climate groups, uh, accessed golf courses in six provinces, including Madrid, Valencia, Ibiza, and Navarra. Uh, They used cement to fill holes. Others planted seedlings. They unfurled signs with phrases, alert, drought, golf closed for climate justice. Water is a common good. These people just want to ruin everything. Uh, From They don't want you to eat cows. They want you to eat bugs. They want you to use your gas stove. You can't drive your car anymore. You can't even play golf now. These are miserable people who want the rest of us miserable. I personally think we should allow the death penalty or at least allow people to run over the the idiot climate activists who glue themselves to the road to disrupt rush hour traffic. I I just think, I mean, you know, they they had that horrible story last year where a guy uh, was going to go to jail for violating his probation if he didn't make it to work on time. And the climate activists were like, screw you, buddy, go to jail and and blocked his commute. And he got arrested for trying to shove him out of the way. Just horrible, horrible, horrible people, these climate activists. Uh, Now ruining golf courses. All right. I got to circle back to something. This is the breaking news. It is happening now. Uh, The sources in Washington, D.C. claim that they probably will never be able to determine who used the cocaine or left the cocaine at the White House. Never mind that there's a camera there. So many people come and go. So many people are putting their cell phones in little cubby holes. They're not sure they'll be able to figure out who it was. This is a larger issue. The larger issue is that there are rules for us imposed by them And they don't want to comply with the rules. We're seeing this more and more from the political elite who mostly are of the left. That they want to impose rules on all of us, but they don't want to live by those rules. Cocaine, it's against the law to possess. It is an illegal narcotic. Yet they think that not only can they carry it around and use it, but they're not going to get caught. 
And this White House, led by this president and his team, show no interest in trying to figure out who it was. Maybe they are worried about it being Hunter. But there's a larger issue, and it goes to this case in Missouri, too. A judge has blocked U.S. officials from contacting social media companies in a First Amendment case. Now, of course, they want you to know it's a Trump-appointed judge. This is a lawsuit by, bought by Republican attorneys general. Can we just, can we in the 21st century just start saying attorney generals as opposed to, I realize it's proper to say attorneys general, but can we just say attorney generals in Louisiana and Missouri who allege that government officials went too far in their efforts to encourage social media companies to address posts that they worried could contribute to vaccine hesitancy during the pandemic or upend elections. The Donald Trump-appointed judge's move could undo years of efforts to enhance coordination between the government and social media companies. For more than a decade, the federal government has attempted to work with social media companies to address criminal activity, including sexual abuse images and terrorism. Over the past five years, coordination and communication between government officials and the companies increased as the federal government responded to rising election interference and voter suppression efforts after revelations that Russian actors had sowed disinformation on U.S. social media sites. During the 2016 election, public health officials also frequently communicated with the companies during the coronavirus pandemic as falsehoods about the virus and vaccines spread. The idea that the government is not going to be able to work with social media companies over child porn is absurd on its face. What this case is about is the federal government using social media companies to censor online those people they disagree with when it came to the vaccine, when it came to stories about the vaccine, when it came to uh, stories related to COVID, they wished to censor. Look, for example, at what Twitter did to people who had the audacity to suggest that this virus might have come from a lab in Wuhan. You get your account turned off because people in the government didn't want you to make those ties once Joe Biden took over. That is censorship. That is government-backed censorship. And that censorship is a censorship that is unconstitutional. And this judge has stopped it. And yet, if you read the newspapers of America today, they're alarmed at this. Now, what did the government do under Joe Biden? Under Joe Biden, if you wanted to go on television and helpfully echo the party line, they were perfectly fine with you doing it. But if you wanted to question it, well, you got in trouble. Now, I agree there were bad actors who were questioning a lot of things they shouldn't have. Is the vaccine uh, the panacea they claimed it was? No, they got it wrong. It was MSNBC touting the claim that if you get the vaccine, you'll never get COVID again. I know lots of people who got the vaccine who got COVID. At the same time, there are people on the right who want you to believe that uh, you get the COVID vaccine and fall over dead five years later. It's the COVID vaccine that did it to you. They're conspiracy theorists on both sides. But the conspiracy theorists of the left were amplified. The conspiracy theorists of the right were silenced. They picked and chose who they wanted social media to censor. They targeted people on the other side. And above all else, they denied they were doing it. 
they were doing it. The injunction, this from the Washington Post, was a victory for the state attorneys general who have accused the Biden administration of enabling a sprawling federal censorship enterprise to encourage tech giants to remove politically unfavorable viewpoints and speakers and for conservatives who have accused the government of suppressing their speech. In their filings, the attorneys general alleged the actions amounted to the most egregious violation of the First Amendment in the history of the United States. The judge wrote that the attorneys general have produced evidence of a massive effort by defendants from the White House to federal agencies to suppress speech based on its content. Well, this is what the Twitter file showed. Twitter file showed government contacts reaching out to people at Twitter, getting them to shut down accounts of people they disagreed with. The government actually did this. Twitter files uncovered after Elon Musk took over actually showed this. But now this gets to a larger issue as well, the spy story out there. Listen to the headline here. GOP threatens spy agency surveillance tool with hard right Republicans attacking federal law enforcement agencies and unwilling to extend their broad powers, a major warrantless surveillance program targeting foreign overseas adversaries may face new limits from Congress. Now, this is a program created after the 9-11 attacks. It is a surveillance program long resisted by Democrats over American civil liberties. It expires in December, and now some Republicans also want to kill it because they don't have faith it's not being used against Americans. And in fact, I do believe that there has been evidence that the federal government has used the surveillance program against Americans. If that is proven, it should be shut down. I do have to tell you, I tend to be okay with this if it hasn't been used against Americans. The role of the of the 702 program is a lot of phone calls around the world and a lot of internet traffic around the world are routed through the United States. And the program is supposed to be able to snoop on those who are not American citizens, even though the traffic is routed through the United States, it's not from or to American citizens. It's to other people. And I don't have a problem with the program. However, far-right lawmakers, the New York Times wants us to know, have embarked on a louder and politically loaded effort to fight the measure. They've seized on official determinations that federal agents botched a wiretap on a Trump campaign advisor and more recent disclosures that FBI analysts improperly used Section 702 to search for information about hundreds of Americans who came under scrutiny in connection with the January 6th attack and Black Lives Matter's protests after the 2020 murder of George Floyd. Justice Department and FBI officials have attempted to defend themselves from lawmakers' outrage over the revelations, pointing to steps they've taken to restrain the opportunities agents are permitted to examine the communications of Americans collected under Section 702. They credit those changes with reducing the number of such queries from 3 million in 2021 to 120,000 last year. Wait a second. They did. They did use Section 702 against Americans. Not just against January 6th people, but against Black Lives Matters people. They did. This program is only supposed to be used against foreigners. It is not in any way, shape, or form supposed to be used against Americans, and yet they've done it. 
And now they're bragging, saying, well, it was done by 3 million in 2021 and only 120,000 last year. So in 2021, 3 million queries of Americans' data transfers and phone calls were inspected by the FBI. And only after it became public that they'd been doing it did they reduce it to 120,000. Maybe it's time to kill Section 702. Because, again, this all goes back to the rules for you and me versus the rules for them. They want to be able to apply this stuff against us. But they don't want to adhere to it. They don't want to acknowledge it. They don't want to live by it. It's a double standard. It's a double standard in the elite who write the rules and don't want to live by them. They know their phone calls aren't going to be inspected. They want to know about your phone calls. They know they're not going to get busted for cocaine. They they know you could be. We cannot trust the institutions of government right now with this sort of stuff. They get the basics wrong, and they don't want to follow the law or apply the law equally or equitably in their words. They keep screwing up the basics. We need to clean up the government, and until then, this is too much of a power for the government to have, particularly when they're acknowledging they have been abusing it. It's time probably to shut the surveillance program down. He's got the courage to tell you the actual truth, even when it isn't popular. It's the Eric Erickson Show. Greetings, conversationalists. It is Eric Erickson here all across America. The phone number 877-973-7425. To the phones we go to Larry. How are you, Larry? I'm doing good. How are you, Mr. Erickson? Good. What's going on? So I just heard you talking about the uh, the losing in Spain, and yes. I am uh, I'm listening to you from WEEB in Moore County, North Carolina, which you may know is the golf course uh, capital of the nation. Yeah, it is um, the golf paradise of the world. Yes. <laughs> uh, well, as a result of that, one of my well, my occupation for the last seven years has been to work on a golf course. And on top of that, I have recently become a, uh, a student of the USGA uh, Greenskeeper uh, Apprenticeship Program. Wow. Uh, so I just wanted to note that I can't speak for the, the golf course in Spain, but I can say that most golf courses actively use non-potable water in, for their irrigation. Um, on top of that, we are doing as much as we can to limit the amount of watered space that we have and we're golf courses are overall very green friendly yeah i'm glad you said that and by the way it is true that the i had looked earlier that the spanish courses use a lot of recycled water as well uh well water recycled water that they they pull water out of the the um water features on the course and and reuse and yeah these people they don't care all right so i I, now i'm sorry but larry you're stuck with me here for a minute because how did you decide to get into this of all things uh I had actually gotten fired from my previous job, and my buddy comes up to me and says, hey, do you need a job? And I was like, yes, sign me up. I don't care what it is. That's fantastic. And so now you're in the USG. That, that's, that's phenomenal. 
Uh, I got to get up there, by the way. A buddy of mine has been wanting me to go up there to Pinehurst and, and hit golf balls. And I'm so terrible. I feel like I'm uh, committing sacrilege by going to a place like Pinehurst. But at some point, I need to get up there, if only to hang out with listeners. And But have a few beers on the golf course and hit some golf balls up there would be fantastic. It is so gorgeous. It's, it, they're beautiful courses. I'm sitting here staring at uh, number two's 10th hole right now. Oh, my gosh. Wow. Man, I'm jealous. Well, listen, I appreciate the information. I really do. And thank you so much for listening up there. Yes, sir. Have a great day. You too. That's Larry up. Wow. I got to get up there, too, because I know we we get a lot of phone calls from our affiliate up there. And it is, if you've never been to Pinehurst, it is the golf mecca. Um, yeah, I mean, it just, a buddy of mine, in fact, Hugh is probably listening right now. I took him to Barnsley gardens up North of Atlanta, which is my favorite golf course. And he's been wanting me to go up to Pinehurst for like a guy's trip. The problem is I, I, I would have to give up radio for like a Thursday and a Friday because he wants to go play all the courses up there. Uh, and I, maybe I could sneak by WEEB and, and, do the broadcast uh, from Southern Pines up there. And so I don't have to completely get out of work, but I would love to go up there. I've seen Pinehurst, but I've never played it. Uh, Y'all do need to understand here. uh, I am a terrible golfer. I'm like really bad at golf. Golfing, uh, when I was in law school, I actually used part of my student loans, which is why I got another 15 years to pay them back. I used part of my student loan to buy my my membership at a golf club thinking, you know, I'm going to be a lawyer. I should get good at golf. I got good at day drinking instead. <laughs> now I'm actually so uh so I, I mentioned this course up in North Georgia, uh Barnsley Gardens, and it, it is it's got this beautiful course. It's a Fazio course, it's out in the middle of nowhere, there's no construction around it. And the golf pro there, Kyle, is a brilliant golf instructor, and I've had great golf instructors before. And he's just he's he's been so much more laid back and better than the other, and I can finally like pretty consistently get off the tee, but I'm still bad and I've got to get good. And now when I go get lessons, it's like I overanalyze it and I just get worse after a lesson. I, I got to, I don't know. I got to get a groove. I, I need to play more is what I need to do. I, I need to play every day, but I got to go up there. This whole idea though, the, these climate activists destroying golf courses, tearing up holes in the name of client, all they're going to do is make, I think people mad at them. I think it's deeply destructive. You go destroy fine art to call attention to yourself. You're you're just, you're a selfish narcissist is what you are. You're destroying works of art. You're destroying golf courses. You're ruining people's commutes to try to draw attention to something. It makes me not care about the issue. There's a big story today that the world is now, uh, July 4th was the hottest July 4th in record. And I'm like, so I saw somebody the other day talking about so many people are going to die because of, of the, the, the wet temperature, which is you put a wet cloth around a, around a thermometer and that gives you that temperature and like get a box fan. We can adapt people. We can adapt. We should be good stewards of the world, but we can adapt to this. We don't have to be scared of it. Greetings across the fruited plain. It is Eric Erickson here. Hope you're recovered from your 4th of July and you've picked up all your fireworks trash. My wife was sweet enough to pick up all of our exploded fireworks in my in-laws yard while I slept. She's a saint. Now joining me across the nation on the newsmaker line is the former governor of the state of New Jersey and current Republican presidential candidate, Chris Christie. How are you, sir? Doing great, Eric. How are you? I'm great. So let me just start out of the gate with this. 
every single conversation I hear about you and every single other candidate for president right now is what lane is there a lane? Can you beat Trump? I just want to ask, let's say you become the dog that catches the car. What happens if you become president? What's your agenda? The agenda is, is to do big things again in this country, Eric, and stop with the small things that continue to divide us. So for instance, We've got to get spending under control in this country. The runaway inflation we have is directly related to runaway government spending that's happened hugely under the Biden administration, but also happened under the Trump administration as well, and as well as the Obama administration. We need to get back to controlling our spending. Um, Second, we need to deal with the addiction crisis in this country um, in two ways. One, by making sure that we go to the border um, with National Guard and interdict as much of this fentanyl as we possibly can, and also to increase the availability of treatment around this country. We need to not be losing 110,000 Americans every year to the, to the addiction crisis, and it's affecting every neighborhood um, in our country. Um, third, we need to reform our K-12 education system. You saw the recent national testing scores, which I'm sure you did. Um, our, 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 our students are not performing. They're not competitive with our uh, competitive countries around the world. And we need to improve that education system by making their choice for every student, every family in this country, rather than having to go to failed schools um, that don't have to compete with anybody else. We need to have an education agenda which will radically change the way we're doing things here and not be handing things over to the teachers unions in this country who are failing our students um, and, and not giving a darn about the fact that these test scores continue to go into, um, into a lower and lower territory for our kids. And lastly, around the world, to make sure that our allies around the world know that they can count on the United States. We are in um, an absolute proxy war already with the Chinese. Um, they are funding this Russian war in Ukraine. Um, they are testing us all around the world. They're entering our hemisphere in South America as well and trying to influence what goes on in our hemisphere as well. And we need to begin to re-strengthen our friendships around the world and let the Chinese know that they're not just fighting America, but America and its allies and friends around the world. When we do big things like that, this country is going to engage in some sacrifice, Eric, but it's also going to make us, as it always has in our country, bigger, better, stronger, richer, and freer. Well, listen, thank you for that. I, I, I've actually learned uh, what you as a candidate stand for. I I've, I, I don't know if, if you feel that level of frustration, but I, I, I realize that President Trump and his polling is like the big thing everyone wants to talk about, but I'm not learning about any of you on the campaign trail and what you actually stand for. So I appreciate you being willing to tell us these things. And thank you for talking about the fentanyl issue. It, it frustrates me to no end that it doesn't seem to be actively, seriously considered in Washington as anything other than a talking point. Nobody seems to want to deal with the border issue. No, and look, you know, when you have 110,000 Americans a year dying of overdose, when it's now the leading killer of men between the ages of 18 and 34, um, look, I chaired President Trump's Opioid and Drug Abuse Commission. We put forward a number of really, I think, smart and important recommendations, um, all of which were adopted by President Trump and half of which were adopted by Congress. But then the COVID crisis came, and we really put this issue to the back shelf. We need to get it back onto the front burner. Um, Families, Eric, in this country, as you know, 
are suffering terribly with this problem. And we need to be working on it both at the border, on the, on the uh, supply side, and we need to be working at it from a treatment perspective from the demand side. People deserve a second chance in this country when they get addicted, but we have to give them the tools to be able to do that. And right now we're not doing that, and we're losing lives because of it. Now, Governor, I, I know you got a heart out here in a, in a few minutes. And, and when uh, Charlie, my producer, I don't know if they told you, he, he's on vacation in Montana. He's, he's in the middle of the mountains somewhere and was able to, <laughs> before he headed out to the mountains, say uh, Governor Christie wanted to come on Wednesday. And I didn't know if there was some specific reason before he left. He was very vague in his message. But um, I just I, I wanted to be able to, to have you on the show, and I'm glad you came. And I, I just – I. If you have a specific thing you want to talk about, I'm happy to, but I also have wanted to have all of you to come on and really answer the basic question of of why should Republican voters in the Republican primary vote for you as opposed to the billion other candidates who are running? (laughs) Well, first of all, because I've shown people that I can do the job. And I was governor, as you mentioned at the top, in a a blue state, a very blue state with a Democratic legislature all eight years of my term. And what did we do? We reformed the pension system and saved $150 billion in public money. We reformed um, our public health system. We um, went ahead and did police reform in the city of Camden, which at the time was the most dangerous city in America. We fired the entire Camden police force because they were incompetent and not doing their job, replaced them with a police force that was trained in community policing and violence de-escalation and getting out into the community. And guess what? In the 10 years since we've done that, murder rate in Camden has gone down 75%. They're not even in the top 50 anymore of most dangerous cities in America. And, you know, the educational system, we open more charter schools and provide more choice to parents in New Jersey at any time in our history. What I'm concerned about, Eric, is that when we had a Republican Congress and a Republican president, we didn't get the things done that we said we would get done. You know, Donald Trump promised us he would repeal and replace Obamacare. And with the Republican Congress, he failed to do it. He promised us that he'd balance the budget in four years, left with the biggest deficits we've seen in recent memory before Joe Biden. Um, then uh, he said that he would uh, retire the national debt in eight years. Obviously, that hasn't happened. Um, and he said he was going to build the wall in Mexico, and Mexico was going to pay for it. Well, not only do we only have a quarter of a wall, uh, we haven't seen the first peso from Mexico. It's not good enough to say, I like the issues. You need to have someone who can turn the issues into policy, who knows how to govern and knows how to get things done and is tough enough to get those things done, but is able to govern. And that's what we will do. It's what we did in New Jersey under some of the toughest circumstances for a conservative Republican. And by the way, also was a pro-life governor for eight years and vetoed Planned Parenthood funding 14 times and had every one of those vetoes sustained. So we can stand up for the issues that matter to us as Republicans and conservatives. Well, listen, I, I thank you for that. Um, let me ask you one more question before you, yeah, and, and I know you've got a heart out I want to be mindful of. You, your, your number five issue is, is the China one, and I know Republicans talk about that a lot, but it does seem like 
Um, one of the ideas that we need to be pursuing in this country is maybe ally shoring as opposed to offshoring, where we, we work with our allies to build supply chains and distribution centers and manufacturing hubs that I'm worried American corporations are our weak link in China, where we're so dependent on their manufacturing capabilities and uh, even our weapon system manufacturers depending on China that uh, that just seems like something the federal government's going to have to step in and do. Even for me, a limited government guy, we got to do something. There's no doubt we have to, and that's why I mentioned in the context of my China answer, rebuilding our alliances around the world, and you've gotten to the next level of my answer, which is that we need to not only do this militarily, but we need to do it economically and industrially. Um, We don't want to have another situation that we had during COVID where we're on bended knee waiting for China to send us things that we need for our protection of our public health and as a result, our national security. What we need, Eric, is to make sure that these alliances become, once again, as they were in the immediate post-World War II era, up through really the 1980s. They were the strength of the United States. We're stronger, freer, and richer because of those alliances. And what you just said is exactly one of the, the, the legs on the stool that we need to do, along with the military alliances, We need industrial alliances and trade alliances with these allies, and that will make us an undefeatable uh, adversary to China. Governor Chris Christie, I I, I know you got to get out of here, but I appreciate you guys reaching out to be on the show and always happy to have you. Good luck on the campaign trail. Eric, I appreciate it very much, and we're looking forward to being on even more. I'm a big fan of the program, and I'm happy to be on. Thank you so much. Governor Chris Christie, he'll be with me in uh, August at the gathering in Atlanta, Georgia, along with the other presidential candidates. Uh, still time to get tickets out there. Uh, we will try to make it easy for you guys to um, have access to the ticket portal. We've got uh, Chris Christie, uh, Ron DeSantis, Vivek Ramaswamy, Nikki Haley, Tim Scott, uh, Mike Pence, um, and there may be one or two more in there. Uh, we will see. In any event, uh, Governor Chris Christie, they reached out, I guess, on Monday, said he had 10 minutes. Could he come on? And we're, by the way, we're making this available for everybody, just so you know. Um, I, I would love to have the candidates come on. My frustration with the conversations that are happening around the 2024 crop of candidates right now is that I, I, I don't get what I just got from Chris Christie. I could not tell you for the most part what any of them want to do as president because every conversation is, well, how are you going to beat Trump? What's your lane? Do you have a lane? I don't care about the lane. I care about what does this person want to do if they are elected president of the United States? Whether I, I, I agree with the person or not, I don't think I should uh, do anything other than let them tell you in their own words, their vision for the future of the country. Um, it, it's That's why they're running for president. And I just think the American media just does a disservice to us by uh, hiding uh, or, or not, not even having those conversations. It's all about your lane and, and the process of running for president and what are your fundraising numbers. I mean, there are some people I know who they, they've literally got no shot. Uh, and I, I think that, that Christie has a much harder shot at running and winning than many of the other candidates. Um, but at the same time, he is a former governor of New Jersey. He is a uh, noted pundit on ABC News, and, and I'm happy to have them. Even Doug Berg, if Doug Burgum from North Dakota wants to come on the show and tell us why he's running and what he stands for, I'm happy to have him do that. 
now, I want to go on and take a timeout because we've got folks. I want to take their phone calls. Um, but I this don't have much longer here. And if I go long here, I can't take their phone calls. So I'm going to step out. If you want to rehear the Christie uh, conversation or the rest of the show, text Eric, E-R-I-C-K, to 33777. You can get the podcast or the stream of the show and listen to it and repeat. Greetings. Welcome. It is Eric Erickson here. The phone number, well, it's almost too late, but it's 877-973-7425. I want to go back to the uh, Section 702 um, issue and take John's phone call. John, welcome to the program. How are you? Oh, Mr. Erickson, thank you so much. I appreciate uh, you taking my call. I have a very, yes, I know we have a short amount of time. In the FISA court judge, let's just, for the sake of it, call him Judge Bottle Stopper. So Agent Snodgrass approaches him with that form that has deceptive information or not all information. And Judge Bottle Stopper signs his name to that. And then later on, it is found out that it was a complete deception to spy on an American. What recourse does Judge Bottlestopper have against the agent lawfully? Can he? Oh, that, that is a good one. Um, there have been, I think, two cases in the last decade uh, where the FBI itself was sanctioned by the court. Um, and so they typically don't go after the agent themselves. They go after the agency, uh, and the agency is required to pay fines, uh, particularly to the individuals who are surveilled. Uh, they can be held in contempt, uh, and jailed by the judge. That has not happened. Uh, the bigger issue, however, is when the FBI says, well, they have reduced the number of requests for this form against Americans from like a million to like a hundred thousand. A lot of that is the judges have cracked down on it significantly, realizing that it's being abused. The judges have started asking more questions. Um, so, the, so therefore, the judge no longer – I apologize. So the judge, therefore, no longer has uh, egg on his face or uh, a blemish to his name because of the procedures against the FBI. Yeah, I, I mean, it, it, part of the yes, part of the problem here is that you, we've got this weird situation where the judges are fed information from the FBI. The FBI swears up and down; it goes through a series of reviews before they get to the judge. And there's no opposing counsel there because you you, you don't want anyone to be tipped off in the surveillance. So the judge has to play devil's advocate to a degree, but they're playing devil's advocate with a set of facts that the FBI swears to. So if the FBI is gaming the system, which we know happened, uh, they can be held in contempt. And to my knowledge, that doesn't happen. But the, the FBI itself can be fined and punished uh, by the judges. And I do know there was a situation, and I want to say this is this is during the Obama administration, where the three-judge panel, the FISA court that reviews these things, refused to even have a hearing on these because they thought mm. the FBI was gaming the system. And so the FBI had to engage in some reform. So there are some things they can do, but it is very limited uh, because, again, the, the, it's the entirety of the issue is premised on trust of the system. And increasingly, and, the FBI is showing that they can't be trusted. There's got to be some level of reform. There you go. 
FBI cannot be trusted. Thank you so much for what you do. Thank you, John. It's great to hear from you. Um, I mean, yo, that, that fundamentally is the problem here. The FBI has got to be reformed. It's not just a Republican thing. For, take January 6th out of it. Take Donald Trump out of it. The FBI has a series of problems uh, that go, I mean, even to Larry Nassar and, and the uh, U.S. Olympic team and the, the, the sexual abuse of, of, of um, the, the teammates and the, the players. The FBI has screwed these things up repeatedly. There are really good people who work at the FBI, and they just want to do a good job for the country. But the FBI, at the executive level of the FBI, needs desperate reform. My buddy Russ Vogt has been pushing the idea of a church committee. Now, uh, Frank Church was a senator who engaged in reforms of the CIA. There's a real concern there that uh, liberals— and Church, who was a liberal, gutted a lot of the CIA's intelligence capabilities in the 1960s. We don't want to undermine the effectiveness of the FBI, but it's arguable that the FBI is not effective right now. It's, it's being a weaponized tool of the, of the left and needs reform. This should not be. This should not be a situation where either side has qualms about reform of the institution. Both sides have legitimate grievance. And this goes to the Washington Post story. The FBI used Section 702. Section 702 is the Pfizer surveillance program of non-U.S. citizens, and the FBI used it against Black Lives Matters activists and used it against January 6th activists, and the claim was they were investigating ties to entities abroad. Now, I have heard some of the rioters in Portland and elsewhere around the country might have ties to foreign institutions trying to destabilize the United States. If that's what they were looking at, we should be able to know it, but that doesn't appear to be the case. It appears they were abusing the process to investigate Americans, contradicting the Section 702 program. The judges are only fed certain information, and they play devil's advocate with it, but we've got a fundamental problem here with this program, and it if we can't reform it, it needs to be shut down. We should be reforming the FBI. The FBI and lack of trust in the institution is undermining our safety and security in this country. That's the bottom line issue here. I will talk to you guys tomorrow. Have a great rest of the day. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.